more, being conformed into his likeness, is about daily tapping back into that resurrection power. Not conjuring up an experience you haven't had, but coming to see more deeply what's already yours. Now you'll notice back in Philippians 3.10 that knowing Jesus' resurrection power is listed before sufferings. Do you see that? Verse 10. Isn't that weird? If I was writing Philippians 3, just amuse me for a moment. I wouldn't have written it that way. It would have been the other way around. But the Bible never makes a mistake. And there's no detail that just, is, just happens to be there. So why is it listed that way? Philippians 3.10 That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection may share His sufferings becoming like Him in His death. Paul, that's backwards. But think about your own experience, Christian. It's not backwards at all. It's exactly the way your life is working. Only when we begin to experience the power of the resurrection will we have any interest at all in suffering for the cause of Christ. You see, you don't suffer first and then earn something from God. You get something from God that's so good that you're willing to endure whatever He would bring next. That's the way this works. And so if you know Jesus, yet you're not coming to know more of Jesus, it's probably because you're stiff-arming the very method through which you come to know Him more, namely suffering. To hold suffering at bay is to hold Jesus at bay. Brothers and sisters, if you want to experience the unlimited power of God, then don't push back the suffering that life brings. Resurrection power is available to you, but it's not coming to you in a box labeled Amazon Prime. It's coming not when you're in your prime, but as you suffer. that I may know Him, the power of His resurrection, may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. That phrase, may share His sufferings, is literally translated the fellowship or the partnership of His sufferings. If you've been with us through this book, that likely causes a light bulb to go on. That's one of the key themes repeated throughout this letter. And you've liked the previous ones. Chapter 1, verse 5, partnership in the gospel. We like that, right? Chapter 2, verse 1, partnership in the Spirit. Sounds pretty good too, doesn't it? Chapter 3, verse 10, partnership in suffering. I ain't so sure about that one, God. But that's how this works. 
If you want a truly deeper, richer, experiential knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord, it is going to happen through suffering. There is no other way. And yes, could this mean any kind of suffering? The random, seemingly bizarre things that happen in life. The car crashes, the house fires, the cancer. Yes, those are certainly within view. But in particular in Philippians 3 is the suffering that comes specifically because you're making decisions you would not have made if you weren't following Christ. The suffering that comes from seeking to be a faithful witness in a fallen world. That's what makes it his sufferings. Which, of course, causes us to think of other things in the book. Philippians 1, verse 29, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer, engaged in the same conflict that you saw that I had and now hear that I still have. Now, ever the skeptic, I think it's easy to jump to the conclusion, well, of course Paul is talking about suffering. He's suffering. When you get a cold, you want everybody else to know. You got a cold, right? Come on. You do it. So, Paul's in prison, chained to a guard, been there for years by this point. Of course, suffering's on his mind. He's suffering. And he wants everybody else to share in that suffering. But maybe other places in the Bible give us other ways to know God and they can cancel this one out. Because I'm not really down with that kind of suffering. I'm not really in for that kind of partnership, God. I'll stick with that spirit stuff, as weird as it is, and that gospel stuff. None of this partnership and suffering. So let's go looking for other places in the Bible that give us another kind of knowledge of God. Acts 14.22, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Huh? I don't like that one. Let's find a different author. 1 Peter 4, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you. As though something strange were happening to you. Ooh, don't like that one either. Maybe, maybe Jesus' brother. John was a... Let's guess maybe John. John was a good dude. John 15, verse 20, quoting Jesus. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Oh, how about Paul's last book? Maybe he will have changed his tune by then. Wised up a bit. 2 Timothy 3, 12. Indeed, all who desire to live godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Friends, there's been this tiny little blip, tiny little speck of time in the United States of America where it didn't take suffering to walk with Christ. Those days are gone. Are you paying attention? Now, yes, you're not going to get beat up and stoned, put in prison, and killed. But we use that as a way to not stand up for the things that might actually cost us something. Our God loves us, so He is bringing suffering to us. That the American church, full of fake, phony, Christians 
might be cleansed. So the real believers will stand up and enjoy Him. Praise God for that. How exactly does Christian suffering bring about a closer relationship with God? Or another way to say that, why does being a faithful witness in a fallen world bring about suffering which brings about knowing God? How does it work that way? Well, quite simply, when we're beat up in hardship, we don't trust ourselves. We don't rest on our own strength. We don't look to our own resources. It doesn't create a circumstance that's not there all the time. It just awakens us to the posture with which we ought to live every day. So when we kindly share the gospel with a coworker and we end up reprimanded for it, when you tell your boyfriend, no, I can't sleep with you because we're not married, you're a freak. And you'll likely lose that relationship. Is that a form of suffering? Yes. When you go without a friend because you implore him to come to Christ, then suffering ushers you into resurrection power. Paul put it this way. In 2 Corinthians 1, For we don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Same guy saying, This suffering I'm experiencing was so hard, I wanted to die. I thought I was going to die. Friends, I'm talking about real pain, not fake, phony stuff. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Why? But that was to make us not rely on ourselves, but on the God who raises the dead. Same letter, chapter 4. We have this treasure. That's the gospel. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Why? Why are you a clay pot that's got so many cracks? It's getting beat up. It's not all that pretty anymore. Why? to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the death of Jesus. Somehow, when you suffer, you're experiencing the death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. Again, same letter, chapter 12. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. He's talking about a hardship he was facing. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. So Paul says, I'm begging God over and over and over, take it away. And then this knowledge floods his mind from God. My grace is sufficient. You want more of my power. This is how it comes, Paul. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. Why? Because I love pain. I love hurting. I love it. It's wonderful. It's amazing. No, don't be weird. 
so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content. I'm content with weakness, insult, hardship, persecution, calamity. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. The only way to know Jesus is like this. Now, Jesus, of course, is the ultimate one who suffered. And in his suffering, then his power was revealed. And so the gospel is where we see this the fullest. No surprise there. But I imagine it is a surprise for some of us that Jesus is not only the content, the person, the essence of the gospel. But he's also giving us the pattern that we're to follow. You see, the ongoing cycle of the Christian life, the, the path forward for you, brother or sister, is the continuous loop of resurrection power sharing in his sufferings. Resurrection power sharing in his sufferings. Resurrection power. Sharing in his suffering. Resurrection power. Sharing in his sufferings. That is the pattern. That's how the Christian life works. Why? Because it's Christ living in you. And this is what Christ does. Suffer, power. Suffer, power. Suffer, power. It's rather simple. This is how life in the kingdom works. And this is the greatest kind of life there is. Paul ends the section with what may seem to be a degree of doubt. It says in verse 11, All of this, that by any means possible I may gain the resurrection from the dead. A little hint into reading your Bible the Bible needs to interpret the Bible, especially within the same paragraph. So he's not saying, I, I threw away my old resume of accomplishments so that I could develop a new one, so that through the suffering, then I might earn resurrection. That's stupid. That's not what he's saying. And yet, it seems to be, at first reading, like, there's a measure of doubt here, doesn't it? But understand this. There's no doubt in Paul's mind that he would be fully transformed by the Savior and spend forever with Jesus Christ. What he didn't know is how. He didn't know how exactly that path would go, and he didn't know when. So all that he means is... Will Jesus come back first and that finish the process? Or are they going to lop my head off and that finish the process? Any means possible, I'm going to attain that resurrection from the dead. Christians, there is resurrection power in 
you. Because Christ is in you. This passage is not about you drumming it up. But it is about you saying yes to suffering. My dear friends, if you're in a time of suffering now, be a faithful witness in a fallen world. Because people need to hear Christ. And you need more growth. You need to know Jesus more. And understand that this is the pattern of the kingdom. The Christian life exists for now in the shadow of the cross. So there's going to be suffering. And yet there's this already not yet of the kingdom. And the already is Christ is already victorious. And so there's resurrection power available to you. But the not yet is it's going to come through suffering. So deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow Him. If you don't, you're only hurting yourself. You're, you're keeping yourself on the training wheels of Christianity. When you could be out on the 10-speed, are you going to get run over some? Yes. So wear your helmet. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, let's run together from self-sufficiency and complacency that we may experience Christ as our Lord. To the non-believers in the room, thank you for being here. What a joy that every week there's many people here who have yet to trust Christ. There is resurrection power available to you. And so we beg you to yield your personal resume to Christ in order that you could have Him. We would confess we are no better than you. In fact, those of us who understand ourselves understand we are worse than you. But there is a gift. That gift is Christ giving His perfection, His right standing with God, His relationship over to you. And what He asks from you is that you give all your junk, all your sin, back to Him. And that you pledge by His grace and His strength for the rest of your life to learn to walk with Him as your Lord. If you believe Jesus came to earth and lived this life and died and rose again, then you're ready to receive Him. What are you waiting for? The gift can be yours today. Just a few weeks ago, we watched a high schooler get dunked under that water to tell you there is resurrection power available to you. What if there was another one or two or three to get dunked next week? That's why this church is here. Talk with someone who came with you or meet me out on the patio. We'd love to hear about how you've just received Christ or trying to answer remaining questions you have. Church, let's embrace this power offered to us in Christ. And let's not reject the pattern. Power, suffering, power, suffering, power, suffering. A British pastor in the 1800s put it this way. I can think of no better way to end. The cemeteries are crowded. Precious dust is closely heaped up together. 
But as surely as Jesus rose from the tomb of Joseph, all of us who are in him shall rise too. And this is so good. Though bodies may be consumed in the fire, or ground up in powder, or sucked up by plants, or fed up by animals, or made to pass through 10,000 changeful processes, yet difficulties there are none where there is a God. He gave us bodies when we had none. And the one who did that can restore those bodies when they're pulverized and scattered to the four winds. We sorrow not as those who are without hope. We know where the souls of the godly ones are. They are forever with the Lord. We know where their bodies will be when the clarion blast shall wake the dead and the sepulcher shall give up its spoils. Sweet is the consolation which comes to us from the empty tomb of Jesus. God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his own power. Ah. Uh. Let's pray. God, we want to know you. Those of us in the room who already are saved by you, we have come to know you. We have entered into a saving relationship with you. And yet we want to know you more. Thank you that nothing else we try to fill that spot with works. I pray for those in the room who know you that are in a time of suffering. I pray, God, that you would quickly bring them to the point of seeing your resurrection power. I pray for others in the room who have been stiff-arming suffering, believing the absence of it is better than knowing you more. Oh, God, forgive us. How foolish. May we be willing to stand for you because people need the Lord. And we need a richer knowledge of you. May we be a church willing to suffer, not begrudgingly, not moaning, not complaining, but joyfully because Christ is better. And God, we pray for any among us today who are not yet believers that you would press it into their hearts to consider the life of Paul, an extremely accomplished man, who reached the point of saying, I want nothing but Christ. We pray for a saving knowledge of the truth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.